Welcome back to another episode of the Exterminatus Podcast, all things competitive in the world of Warhammer 40,000, our first show of 2024. My name's Eric, with me is Robert. Hello. And Ray. And I've been relegated to last. (laughs) This is an attendance-based show. So anyway, (laughs) we're here, we're uh, about the new year, we're all about prognosticating the future of the sport, because I think we're kind of in this turning point of what's going on in our grand hobby and we got a lot about to talk about that especially with five days away from the james workshop uh preview at las vegas open so starting off with the fun stuff we saw some shadowy figures that were supposedly coming out in the future any predictions for the gw preview coming up on thursday custodians okay (laughs) just saying Well, you do certainly know what the codexes that are coming up are. I do expect that we'll probably see at least one or two of the codexes get previewed for what's coming. I think in the last reveal video that they did talking about what's coming out, I think the models that they showed off is going to represent the order that the books come out pretty closely. I don't think GW thought that through. I'm speculating because I want my custodes to come out sooner. <laughs> I think it's safe to say Dark Angels are definitely next. Especially well, if you saw what's uh, going up for pre-order this ne- next weekend. Well, yeah. it's, But I don't care about them. They're a whole bunch of secret keepers and a whole bunch of poopy pants. I do like that Deathwing box, but I am curious. We had heard rumors about a Ravenwing a box or railing models, but maybe it's just outriders altogether with a upgrade sprue. Not really sure. Apparently those terminators come with an upgrade sprue, so maybe that's all we're getting. But it feels like you're only, so far we've only seen half the Dark Angels codex in the previews. Yeah, I mean we're not actually to the full release yet. This is a uh, box that's coming out with an early codex. I really think that they are gonna show more stuff for Dark Angels on Thursday. Specifically Darkwing. Alright. Ravenwing. <laughs> no Darkwing Duck. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've been up since 3 a.m. DuckTales. It's t- now 10 o'clock at this point in time. I am the duck that quacks in the night. <laughs> <laughs> what was that Indiana Jones show that was like based off of it was like Rescue Rangers meets Jungle Book meets Indiana Jones. That was on. Tailspin? That's it. Yeah, thanks. Couldn't remember the name of it. (laughs) Back to what Robert was saying. So one of the key things a lot of players are still talking about, custodies uh, rely on the Forgeworld units. You think we'll see those in plastic anytime soon? No. I hope that's not the case. I really do. Part of it says that they come out with a comparable unit, like here's your new Custodes tank, and it serves the similar role. It just looks different from the from the Forgeworld one. If they did that, I would be super sad because I stripped my Caladiuses <laughs> to repaint them. You just don't want it to happen because then that would mean it's another thing that's in plastic that you already bought in resin, like the Knights. Shut up. 
or we're fired. No, it, it, no, in all honesty, it is one of those things that if they introduce new custodian things in plastic that fill the role of the formerly Forge World models, then at that point, they need to make the Forge World units more interesting. Fair enough. I could see that. Uh, I'm trying to think of alts coming out on the. I'm trying to remember on the timeline what else they said. I know the big thing is what is the redacted codex. So that's everybody. Definitely. Yeah, everybody's like yeah. speculating on it's going to be this you know, crazy Xenos race or this Dark Mechanicus. Uh, I'm going to be Debbie Downer. I'm going to be like, they just didn't know what they had ready in time. So based off the previews from the silhouettes, I think it's going to be Votan because that first model looks like a new call. I still think that it's because whatever's on the cover is going to be a brand new model, yeah. whether it's a new faction or not. I could see that as well. Uh, that new silhouetted orc model looks pretty cool too. I think that could have been it. Uh, because orcs were already in that pipeline, that preview. But I that, thought they were. Yeah, because yeah, the, the first um, four codexes that were coming out this year were Dark Angels, Custodes, Tau, and Orcs. Okay. And then it went to Chaos Space Marines, Sisters, and Gene Sealer Cult. Mm. And Tower definitely. Now, those ones aren't confirmed. Those are the more rumored, right? Those last ones? No, they confirmed Gene Sealer Cult and Sisters. Okay. So the and then th- that's where the redacted codex was saw. Yeah. And we can see from the, the silhouetted previews that the, the Crute Hound, or the Crute, uh, Crute Riders are going to get the plastic treatment. So we're curious to see how that fleshes out, which is something, when Tau first came out, that was the thing I was excited about. I was like, oh, you have got these super you know, Gundam suits, and then you got all these crazy aliens, and then, well, the crazy aliens never got much. You got, you know, Vespids, and you got Crute, and really didn't see any new models for them for a, forever. You just kept getting more crisis suits. So I was like, oh, that's kind of mm-hmm. disappointing. So, yeah, like currently, I'm actually going back and watching the the hint video, and it's the very first model that they actually show. Eric is the new custodian. Nah, that's a Votan. Sir, have you seen the shape and size of that spear? Votan. Look at the helmet. It has a bird on it. It's Votan. Votan. I mean, the... no, Eric. Votan. It's <laughs> Eric. Votan. I will grudge you. <laughs> I will I can grudge see you. The vein popping from here. <laughs> Votan. <laughs> But no, it's just going to be a fun... Hey, hey. (laughs) we're moving on from that, you stubborn dwarf, you. But the the exciting part is going to be how, for me at least, is how are they going to reform the identity of Custodes, Orcs, and Tau to really make them flavorful in their detachments? Yeah, that's a good question because Custodes, what really only gave them, and correct me if I'm wrong, what their flavor was the different shield hosts. So is are they just going to recreate the shield hosts and detachments or are they going to come up with, I don't know. I really have no idea how they're going to do that. And I'm pretty sure that's how it's going to work because it's the one that makes the most sense because 
you have the Emperor's Chosen, which is the generic detachment. Then you have the Solar Watch, which would be probably the Bike Squad. Then the Dreadhost is like Terminators, because that's the that's the one that liked deep striking in and being like medium range. Mm. Um then there was the Shadow Keepers, which is the kind of sneaky character hunter kind of custodians. Um then there was two more and they had the most complicated names, but one was like we interact with the Imperium. The other one was we protect our characters kind of thing, I think. Hmm. I can always go back and read the Ninth Edition Codex again. It covered more than I remember. I just remember seeing the same two shield hosts over and over again. I was like, okay. Yeah, yeah. Shadow Keepers and Emperor's Chosen were by far the popular yeah. ones. So, uh, yeah, all other things I can think of, I know we talk about some of the other games, so... I'm already to re- I'm ready to tune out on any more old world stuff. I'm already sick of old world, but um, we already saw from Kill Team the um, I just blanked on the name Night Lords <laughs> <laughs> uh, expansion. I'm curious to see what the second half of that box is going to be because they usually come out with two opposing forces in a big box, and there's been tons of rumors that it's supposed to be plastic mandrakes. So I'd be super excited I if that's the case. Hope that's the case. Yeah. Because um, I was listening to another podcast. I love them to death, but they were like, uh, Drakari seem pretty set. They really don't need a whole lot of new stuff. I was like, ready to leap through the internet and strangle them. I was like, are you kidding me? You know how much podcast <laughs> we still have in our line? <laughs> well, I mean, in a manner of speaking, it's not new, it's updated. Well, I think that's the problem is, you know, people ask, you know, what do you want, you know, in terms of, new things for your army and the problem is we have such a backlog of stuff that needs to get updated that list gets so long it's almost becoming unrealistic that it will happen so i'm fearing after what we saw with the necron codex where three or four characters that were in fine casts went you know basically eliminated from the line i have a feeling that's going to happen and i don't think they're going to get rid of grotesques per se but I could definitely see them getting rid of Quarter of the Archon and maybe the Beastmaster. And I'm like, oh, that, that's a big hit. And um, so you'd be getting a Plastic Grotesque, Plastic uh, Bandrakes, and I'm trying to think what the other one is. There's another... Oh, and maybe a Plastic Urian. That's another character. If that, My whole army hinges on Urian at this point. If they don't, if he doesn't come back, I'm, I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and and then there's always the joke of, well, I mean, they're just going to bring Vec back on a bigger boat, right? Not bring Vec back. <laughs> I mean, enough. Give it up. That's a, that's the thing. Is like, oh, we'd love to see you know Ducislas back. We'd want to see this back, and those would be a lot of fun. Don't get me wrong. Having a character that can actually keep up with the Hellions and the jet bikes would be a lot of fun, and um, you know, Vec would be cool, or maybe some sort of living muse to compete with a center you know sort of a centerpiece model so it's our, our drukari avatar type thing it's not going to happen there's so many models they have to come out with just to keep the line current and it's just an under 
thought of line. You know, it's not as much that very popular at all. It's just not going to happen, and it's, that's what's so frustrating. But um, so I'm kind of in this hobby paralysis of do I work on conversions or just seeing what they come out with? So I think I can wait till Thursday. I think I'll be right. And maybe if I'm lucky and if it's free, I can be on the ground. I can see it. I can let you guys know. It's true. You're going to be there. So keep an eye on But I can't that. take I can't take pictures and I can't record anything. I know that's a policy. True. No, you can't get caught. Well, I'm not even going to try. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't want to get kicked out. <laughs> yeah, that's not the kind of headline I don't we need for you. this podcast. <laughs> I can honestly say that even if I were planning to, chances are if I were there, I'd probably get to uh, to mesmerize by what they were showing to remember to even start hit the button. Yeah, I still remember last year. Um, I didn't go to the preview. But... The drama that happened at LVO last year was someone walked off with the display Angron that they had to show. Never, never mind taking a recording. He just walked off with a whole model. <laughs> yeah, like it was just so bad. I almost forgot about that. Yeah. Well, but like, other... uh, yeah. What they preview this? <laughs> what? <laughs> mm-hmm. But otherwise, it's going to be fun. Um, if I do get in and I do see it. Oh boy. There may be a whole, there may be an actual phone call involved. <laughs> I've gotten those phone calls in the past. I'd be happy with that. <laughs> you can just make it a video call on Facebook. I mean, I'll be up. I'm going to try and stay up and watch it as well. See if I can record it, but uh, do the screenshots like we did in previous years. But, uh, yeah, uh, the only else I can think of, um, there's more Kill Team stuff. Maybe, it seems like there's they're trimming down on terrain. Not sure about that. Um, who knows? There might be something in Underworlds that would be like, oh, that's kind of cool. That could be a great conversion. But, uh, yeah, those are the, kind of the big previews. Uh, interesting enough, what we have not talked about yet is the balanced data slate. I think they're purposely holding it until after the event. Nah, not nah. what's going to happen is they're going to release it on Friday. <laughs> no, what Thursday? Yep, <laughs> that's probably because what they're going to release. That means it. that every the day before the event, everybody's going to be talking about it, and at least one person's going to go. Or oh, can we use this? Of course. Let's watch Salty John blow a gasket. <laughs> <laughs> I but yeah, it's... Go ahead, Eric. I'll say I'm curious how the new judging system is going to work. It's a clever idea. I'm just curious to see if it, how, how it will work. For those of you who don't... Remember the new judging system? Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, you know, the old-fashioned... You know, when you're at your local RTT and you raise your hand and go, Judge! Votan! You know, <laughs> it's usually pretty easy to find. When you're one of 900 and something people, good luck. Even when they have multiple judges, you just can't hear yourself. Wait. You hear yourself think, much less scream. So what they do now is they have a QR code uh, on your table, and you scan that, and that page is a judge to your location. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I just I just imagined at LVO, no one can hear you scream. It's kind. It, it's so <laughs> it is. It is so true. I mean, 
Like, (laughs) I get it. It's so that way no one gets tired of shouting at each other and all the other stuff. But come on, guys. A QR code? Like, come on. (laughs) This episode brought to you by the letter F. Yeah. Oh, some editing to do at 1654 mark, but okay, moving on. <laughs> oh, oh, did I did I accidentally slip? Sorry. <laughs> anyway, so those are uh, those are our opinions of the QR code. I was curious to see how it works. I'd be very interesting to see how that happens. Uh, Shiitake mushrooms. I mean, we're, we are talking about an event where BCP crashes. Who knows what internet connectivity you know, is going to be like? And the answer is a QR code. Did BCP crash last time? It's crashed mm. every year. I want to be sure. I don't think it did last. Last year. last year, I don't think it did. I think it actually held out pretty well. Like it got slow. Well, let, let's be honest. The big reason isn't because of the people at the event. It's all the people basically using it to keep an eye on what's going on at the event. It's yeah, just a ton of usage. I mean, it's it's I get it, and um, but at the same point, this is supposed to be you know, the the biggest event of the year. Blah blah blah. This is the the championships for ITC is going to be determined from this event, which we'll get into in a little bit. But yeah, it's it's been unfortunately comical how many times they've had some issues, and we'll see. What, I mean, here's the thing: I, I in the past, I would never say never count out frontline gaming. But they usually something really has to break for them to, and then when they do is they innovate. I mean, I remember going to BAO when I first moved to the West Coast here in Arizona, and it was a complete disaster because they were still doing the old way of doing things, where uh, you, you did it on a PowerPoint, you did a excuse me a spreadsheet of all your pairings, and then the judges would post it on paper. This is the next round, and everybody would stare around at this eight and a half by eleven piece of paper, trying to find their name on it and find your table and they said well, there's got to be something better and that's when lo and behold bcp came out and you know kind of revolutionized the sport as we know it same thing with the game mats they always they, they find new ways to innovate it's getting to that point where i think lvo is getting a little stale i don't say it's bad it's just it's now it's just a big event in vegas and I'm kind of looking at voting with my dollars. If I had a no-expense-paid trip to anywhere in the world, would that be the tournament I'd go to if I could only go to one tournament? I, I can't say it is anymore. Just because of the gaming experience. Like, we kind of get at LVO, no one can hear you scream. And they also can't hear you complain either. So it's kind of like... <laughs> It's fun. It's a good time, but I think I can have that same good time with my my same friends at another major city. Mm-hmm. It's all what you really make of it is the way I look at it. Because I enjoy the concept of going to LVO with a whole bunch of Warhammer buddies or just gaming buddies in general. Like I know for myself, Don Hoosen and Mark Whitaker and a couple of other people that are going. We're all at an Airbnb. I'm bringing my gaming table and my terrain so that way we can play a game while we're at the Airbnb. And it doesn't have to be 40k. 
so yeah, it's it's what you make of the trip. So it can be any event. Yeah, I mean, the, the magnitude of the event is a big thing, especially for networking, especially if you're at a content creator like the three of us here and, you know, be able to meet up with other folks. But it's interesting, you know, a lot of the big names are not going to be there this year. And it's like, oh, okay. So from an exciting, from a content creation, it's exciting because it's going to be wide open. So who could win this? And that also includes not only LVO, but also the ITC championship. But it's also one of those, why aren't the better players coming anymore? And unfortunately, listening to some of their creation, their pod creations, they've got some interesting points. And it's, it's kind of, you know, kind of looking ahead towards what 2024 will bring. Some, the writing might be already on the wall that we're in for a big shift in how competitive 40K is going to be played. Yeah, like I know the talk has always been that the team format is the better way to play 40k. And that can be true in some instances because it's a much more dynamic kind of thing. But overall, it's it's still you versus one other person. It's still you versus another person. I've been giving this a lot of thought because I was just kind of going back and forth on it. What, you know, things I loved most about LVO was the getting in the van and talking strategy. And But at the end of the day, you still played your games, but I think and it was trying to bolster the team because I think at that point we were trying to propel our team a little higher into the team rankings at this point. And now, you know, one of the, you look at it, from the team standpoint, you're actually playing together as a team. So the team wins and loses as you do as a group. But let's say you're, you know, like someone like myself, who is kind of a faction specialist and has an underpowered faction at the moment. It was one of those things where you kind of go, well, based on the pairings, I've built the best list for the system of team playing because I'm going to be going against the matchups we're trying to navigate towards. That already tells me I'm in for a more fun route you know in terms of so i don't have to play yeah this this list is a menace i'm probably going to run into it in singles i'm probably going to run into it in the mid tables but in a team format i may skip around it you're also together Mm -hmm. with your your buddies getting through it this yeah it it might be you know more i think about it that might be the better way to play i love the idea of team tournaments um i mean hell my first real tournament was a doubles event but that being said, it always comes down to, you know, when you have a team event, it's always you're limited by each team can only have one of each faction. So you kind of get certain people might get, I don't want to say left out, but they're either forced to play a different army than they're used to or forced to play with people they don't may not necessarily want to because if they're going to play the faction that they know, they may not be able to necessarily play with the people that they would prefer to. True. I mean, I, I got into that situation at the last team tournament I went into. I definitely, this was like beginning eighth edition. So it was index versus codex. And at that point, the difference between an index and a codex army was you know, almost Huge. a factor of 10 in terms of power level. And there were, the team was very supportive. They would be like, if you want to play your army, go ahead. You're 
playing with an index. And I was like, nah, I'm not going to let the team down. Uh, what codex do we have available? But to your point, that actually hurt us in the end because one of our best players was actually playing um, Chaos Space Marines where it, with Chaos Demons. And we're like, oh, if I take an all demons list, he can't take his demon allies because they only used the codex twice. I don't think that's why we lost, but um, it was an interesting factor. But I do like the idea when you get to eight people teams, which seems to be the, now the new standard, at least here in the States. It's been that way for Europe for quite some time. Now you're getting into the deep cuts. You know, everybody's got their Eldar army. Everybody's got their Chaos Space Marine army. Now you get to, you know, what's your fifth and sixth selection for armies or makes it a little more creative. So... Yeah, and that's what it kind of comes down to is you and your group of teammates have to agree on what armies are going to be in your little eight-man pod and, okay, how do we maximize the efficiency because of this thing? Because Eric only plays Dark Eldar or Robert only plays Custodians. So we're not going to make them go and buy a new army. That kind of thing. Right. And I, and I think there's still, you know, I just being realistic about if I, if I really put my, because even Scari switched from Drukari to Necrons to be, make it to the WC, uh, WTC team for Canada. And that's one of the things you look at your team and you're like, okay, where does this work? Realistically, if I'm the eighth choice for my team, Jakari eh, versus what now? You know, what What are the other choices in the, in the list? Um, but then again, it might be, you know, I do have a few other armies that I would be able to switch over, but it's kind of what I'm going for at this point. But um, I don't know. It, it, it's one of those, you know, looking at the team formats that that might be the thing to go, but it also might be as the meta changes, it becomes a better option down the road. I just find it very exciting to think about, okay, we're going to have these eight-man teams and an actual circuit that we can actually play along, whether they're real teams, not just a bunch of singles players who happen to collate their scores into one group. You know, they're actually playing as a team. I think that, that that's very exciting. Yeah. And I think once people start venturing into the team formats where you actually get to see oh, this is Team Battle Brothers, or this is Art of War, or this is Tun or um, Vanguard Tactics, or whatever other big-name team, they all show up, and you know you're playing against that team, not this person from that team. So, like, if we were doing team formats here in Arizona for one of our events... Okay, you walk up and it's like, oh, hey, I'm playing Don Hoosen. Who else is on his team? Right. There's something to look at that, you know, looking at the team. I think all the teams here locally have some top players and, um, and now it becomes depth and um, the pairing strategy will play a lot into that. And I think some, some teams are better at that than others. And... Um, you know, so some of them had a lot more experience in the team format, so they probably could win in the first few rounds. But I think the more that happens, the more players will understand it could change. And mm -hmm. um, so that part I find very exciting and see that moving forward. 
What about you, Ray? How do you feel about all of this? I mean, I like both formats. Think, you know, just going to play on your own. You know, but at the same time, I love I, I like the idea of team formats too. So I'm I I would like to see both do you know be popular. Um. I just, whenever I look at the team stuff, I was like, okay, well, how do I fit something like that? You know, yet, here I am, someone with multiple armies, but so few chances to really get a chance to uh, play that it's like, okay, well, I've got five armies, I can kind of play one. But at the same time, you know, if I'm playing that army, I know that I don't have to worry about needing to win every single game. I can be, you know, a punching bag so that my better, the better players can get the higher score, and my job is only trying to keep my opponent from getting a big score. Yeah, glad you brought that up because that actually happened at the last RTT I was at. I played two armies I get to play in tenth edition, much less I don't think I played them in all of ninth edition. So I was like, ooh, how does this army play? I kind of know the basics. but And the first game, I lost. And I was like, oh. And, but later on, when I was you know, looking over, you know, what could I have done better? When, one of the things I've been doing lately is going on to stat check and looking at, okay, what is the average win-loss for Drakari versus this army? And what's the average point level? Even though I lost, I'd actually lost by less than the average point level. So I was like, oh, so I did better than the average Shikari player again in this matchup. That, that makes me feel a little bit better. In the singles play, it just it was a loss and put me in a loser's bracket and spiraled from there. Whereas in team tournament, that may have been the difference between a 20-0 loss to a maybe a 12-8 loss, which you know mitigated the bleeding a little bit and helped the team. So secondly, also I <laughs> like to think that... Uh, <laughs> In the matchup realm, they go, yeah, we're not going to put you into that matchup, but sometimes you don't have that control. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, like I fully expect in a team environment, if I'm playing my Chaos Knights and I'm presented as the attacker or whatever, they're going to put up the, this one's good at killing knights, this one is good at dealing with knights. <laughs> Take your pick. Yeah, and it's an understanding what that is and the creativity of what is an army designed to do that. And then then you go, and then the very next round, that same team might be come like, they didn't bring any knights. Matter of fact, ooh, well, who do we pair this army into? You know, these two armies into. So, yeah, that part's going to be very exciting. So, I, I'm curious to see how this pans out. If you had told me last year at this time that we would be talking about team tournament circuits, uh, games workshop, terrain layouts with uh, universally being accepted in almost most tournament formats never would have guessed it so it's it's just a very exciting time and speaking of tournaments doing stuff we have at least three maybe four I don't know if I found the right ones that Ray did I, yeah, I found exactly three well I found four so I found an extra one <laughs> Interesting. What was the fourth one? Um, well, we have the, the Nottingham Super Major to cover. 
Oh, let's. I didn't pick out that one. I was focusing on U.S. for this weekend. Yeah, I tried to find mainly U.S. ones, but I'm. This last weekend was really busy. Of all different kinds of events. Yeah. But we have this one right this time, and the event's officially over. <laughs> it is. Unlike when we tried to cover the last one, it's like, oh, hey, this event hasn't finished yet. So, the top five of the Nottingham Super Major with their total number of players being... 345. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the days of British tournaments always being small is long gone. So the top five end up rounding out something like this, where it's Paul Krogan is the one that just barely missed the top four cut playing Necrons. In fourth place is Ed Watts with temp uh, Black Templars. Third place is Jonathan Patridge with Tyranids. In second place is Jokul Johansson with Eldar. And in first place is Josh Roberts with Necrons. Talk about WTC powerhouse there. And as Ray pointed out while we were off the air, um, people have pivoted pretty effectively away from the Canoptic Court. So from looking at Josh Roberts' list, this might have been... Before taking away the nerf, I don't know. But it is a pretty mean... Yep, there's 18 race there. And a couple of Doomstalkers. And oh my god, he brought the Akinthrites. <laughs> the freaking... Yeah, the, the freaking wasp things that have Meltaguns on them. And then 20 Immortals, and then an entire gaggle of characters. Well, there, there you have it. The official name of a group of Necrons is a gaggle. <laughs> hey, it's better than calling them a gurgle. Um, That's funnier, though. So, obviously, Eldar is not the top. They're still scary, and they're still really good. But I think over the last couple of weeks that we've looked at the events, we've not seen Eldar be in the number one spot very often. They've been like number two, number three, but they always fall off somewhere. Yeah, they haven't quite been as powerful, but um, they're still good. Don't get me wrong. They're still powerful. But I think uh, Necrons coming to the rise. Necrons are definitely a natural predator to... Um, Eldari, so I think that's probably the reason why we don't see them as much. So, yeah, because that that devastating wound combo that they used to be able to do with Tesla Immortals, I could see that easily eating through a handful of Wraith Guard. Oh yeah, like super easy. I'm kind of glad to see that gone. It was kind of silly. It's still, I mean, don't get me wrong, the Plasmancer with a group of um, uh, 
immortals, it, you know, still getting Gauss on five ups is still going to cause a lot of damage. Mm -hmm. But then hopping back from England. Hey, hold on one sec. So ah, yep. I've been interrupted. Votan. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Couple notables that also did not make the top uh, cut there. Uh, Manny Chima, currently number one in the ITC, came in seventh with World Eaters. Uh, Nassim Fushan, who's in second, uh, came in ninth at this event, and he was playing Astro Militarum, so maybe some previews of what's going on uh, for future events. Alex Harrison, uh, everybody's favorite villain from years past at LVO, came in 15th with Adeptus Astartes. Vic Vijay, friend of the show, came in 18th with Chaos Space Marines. And skipping down a little further down here, this was a bit of a surprise. Um, Mark Krubbleholm, arguably one of the better Eldari players in England, took Necrons and came in 35th. Hakeem Amin Rubio with Adeptus Mechanicus came in 38th. Don't cry for him, by the way. He's still in 4-1, and one, so <laughs> he's still doing good. But... Um, this was a little surprising. I saw this all the way down towards the bottom here. I was like, wow, what happened? And uh, let's see if I can find it again. This is great radio. David Daylard playing oh, Astro Militarum came in 80th. 80th? Yeah. Wow. He went three and two. He, he went he won his first three games and then uh, lost the last two games of the weekend. So wow. curious because that was a Astro I guess, was very popular at WTC. So a lot of players are trying to convert that to a singles list. Maybe something just didn't click. I don't know. But um, I was really surprised to see that. And maybe, just maybe, they might know something about guard that all of us don't. I know they shoot a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's as far as I know because it's going stupid mortars. Yeah, stupid <laughs> tanks. Well, remember those new models they came out with, like ninth edition? Everyone, oh, those are neat. No one like bought them. Apparently, those are like baller in tenth edition because with indirect fire, they just stand in the back and let loose. So that's usually how it works. The thing that's not popular in one edition becomes a good thing in the next. Yep. Yep. Unrelated news: I have Incubi for sale. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no! You keep those, Botan. No. <laughs> What's the next tournament, Robert? <laughs> so, we jumped on over to Canada for this one. It's the Critical Hit Grand Slash GT with a number of players rounding out a nice, healthy 30. And the top five are Cody... Uh, I feel like I'm going to butcher it. Burgess. Yeah, I think I, or bourgeois, or something. yeah, no, Cody with Votan <laughs> going three one and one. Then we have Dan Bruce with Space Wolves going four and one. Adria Minjimba with Templars also going four and one. Ryan Bell with World Eaters going four and one. And the only undefeated is Nicholas Redford with. Chaos Space Marines. Yeah, they're really, really strong. Man. Stupid Forge Fiends and Devastating Wounds. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just turning into a salty Grognard, so don't mind me. 
It is funny that when you like you're watching, you're like, okay, I'm gonna I make a pact, I'm gonna make a pact. You're like, he's gotta fail on these leaderships sooner or later, right? And it just never happens. You're just like, what the heck? <laughs> yeah, and I'm gonna guess Nurgling, Nurgling talents. Yep, two at least two Forge fiends, and then three bricks of chosen. A, the Predator Destructor. So that's what he replaced the third Forge fiend with. There we go. Got it. I mean, those things are gross. Freaking auto cannon, two last cannons and whatnot. Just, yeah, for 130 points. It's about time, though. For how many years, the Predator has been like a joke of a tank. So it's finally nice to see it semi-effective. Especially in Death Guard. Yeah. Because well. <laughs> their auto cannon effectively becomes AP minus three. <laughs> Silly. <laughs> Votan on Death Guard. You know who you are. <laughs> Mr. Hoosen. What do we got next? So hopping from Canada, we go on down to Raytown, Montana. I want to say. If I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. I'm terrible at geography. With a healthy 50 players at the That's New Missouri. Year's knockout. <laughs> hey, man, I don't remember all the state acronyms, oh, okay? <laughs> at least I remembered it was a state that started with an M. Good start. Sorry, I'm, I'm still looking for a, a map where almost every state north of the Mason-Dixon <laughs> line is Georgia? Question mark? Fair. That's 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 two grudges against you, Ray. <laughs> so the top five of the New Year's knockout are Tyler Devries with Necrons, and fourth place is Howard Watts with Ultramarines. Third place is Chase Campbell with Necrons, and second place is Joe Gaz- Joe Gazowski. Don't know. Why I had trouble with that. Need your paperwork, Gazowski. <laughs> yep. With orcs, and then first place is Dan Sammons with Votan. <laughs> I don't remember Dan playing Votan. I could he was a gas player. But anyway, yeah. so I haven't fully grasped what fla- what the flavor of Votan is because they've changed around a lot. But I think, yep. Th- Mr. Sammons is having a whopping six Sagittars. Yeah. Yep. The Sagittar is considered one of their strongest units. Mm-hmm. And then he has two units of Hearthguard, so the Terminator Bros. Yep. Some Berserks, some Thunderkin. Yeah, this guy can just be wherever he wants because, you know, Votan aren't slow. Eh, nothing quite like having dedicated transports with Scout. Yeah, that's true. Some of the notables at this tournament, uh, Ben Sherwin uh, with Black Templar came in ninth. Uh, we'll go further down, friend of the show, Tony Thibault with Harlequins. He's still rocking the, the Harlequin list. He went came in 18th. Curious to see if him and uh, Mike Porter back in England are 
still rocking like pure Harleys. It's pretty cool. So, and those are the other, yeah, that's it for other notables in the list here at this particular, particular tournament. So, yes. But touching on the very last thing for the New Year's knockout, I applaud Mr. Nathan Martin going 0-5 with Necrons and playing the entire event. Indeed. <laughs> Way to go, buddy. <laughs> yes, stuck it out. Okay, yeah, man, he's the only one. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's... that is a true wooden spoon, sir. <laughs> At that point, <laughs> buy him dinner. He deserves it. And to round off the events that we have from last weekend, we end up at the Unified Tournament Circuit Finals in Westminster, Maryland. He wins! <laughs> Yay! I'm actually smart! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a, a, clock, a wrong clock is right twice a day. There you go. So, this one was a nice, healthy... 43 players because they have negative 11 negative 11 tickets and the placings are rounded out by Scott Horace with Astro Militarum, Mark Hurdle in 4th place with Ultramarines in 3rd place is Derek Apshi with Chaos Space Marines then Joshua Campbell in 2nd place with Necrons and Matt Laura in 1st place also with Necrons I do want to point out in this case Second place was Canoptech Court. First place, Hypercrypt. Yep. So very much like the when Tyranid book came out, there was an argument between Synaptic Nexus and Vanguard Onslaught, which one was better. And then people started venturing back to the basic detachment or Synaptic Nexus as the argument of which one's better this one is showing off the the power of necrons being basically gray knights <laughs> hey gray knights we do you better yeah and it's a he has the void dragon he has nightbringer so them being able to teleport around is really, really scary. Um, Zeros, Immotech, 30 Immortals, um, some Scarabs. I never thought I'd see someone bring death marks in a winning list. I have to look at their what they do. I forgot what they're... Do they still they're have still these? snipers. I yeah, think they have precision and stuff, yeah. Okay. And they still they can still drop in on your opponent's turn when they bring a unit in and shoot that unit. Oh, cool. And then I think we found the other form of action monkeys for destroyers, and that's the normal locust destroyers, because they're only 30 points a pop. Nice. And then he brought it. He brought the meme. He brought a monolith. Nice. Well, a few of the stratagems require a monolith. Yeah, I just remember hearing a conversation of like, well, you bring a monolith... Um, it's funny, but it's not good. Again, that's just someone else's opinion. I do not plan on investing into Necrons again. Are so, you sure? <laughs> yes, I'm absolutely sure. Now, um, 
I've put some thought into, you know, is a mono, is monolith even worth taking? Is it not? If you're playing someplace where you're doing GW terrain, I think the monolith is a useless model. You find a place to put it, it's not going anywhere. But if you're doing player place terrain, you can set your half of the table up to be perfect for it. As far as how well it lasts, how many turns and all that, now that's going to come down to dice and how well you strategize around it. Well, thinking of how big it is... It's um, big. Yeah. I guess legitimately the size of a football. When I think of how my knights function on GW terrain, yeah, spacing is an issue, but as long as the terrain is using actual sections that are like four inches or less, the big knights don't get stuck as often because they can just walk over it. For a monolith, at that point, yeah, you'll have a problem because sure, that thing flies, yep. but it can't exactly just walk over things. No, in GW, play, GW style terrain setups where everything's set up, that's what their terrain is. A lot of times, if, if you find a place for your monolith, it's not going anywhere. It'll basically always have cover, though. <laughs> yeah. It's also handy in, if you play at your local RTTs or something like that, where terrain might be a bit on the scare side. Uh, I remember back in the old days, the, the model that's big enough model there. I, I brought cover with me. Thank you. Appreciate that. And, of course, the new one's bigger than the old one. I was about to ask you that. How much bigger is the new one compared to the old one? It's not much taller, but it's probably one or two inches wider. Okay. That's significant. Yeah, because that even the old ones were pretty hefty. So. Yep, and on and if I remember correctly, the monolith has the ability to deep strike. I but the old one did. I don't remember if the new one does. I have to look at it again. Ninety percent sure it does. I'm gonna check real quick right. because I can't. Why are you checking that? Other notables at this tournament uh, in sixth place with Tower Empire, Andrew Gagno. Uh, interesting to see him back on the circuit. Seventh place, Zach Camo, also with Tower Empire. Uh, some other notable names that just. Uh, ooh, Jeffrey Kalodner, uh 15th with uh, Still Playing Sisters, uh, came in, and as, as mentioned, 15th place. Uh, Jonas Beardsley with World Eaters in 20th. Brian Zhu with Tau Empire in 21st. Lots of Tau at this event. Very interesting. Uh, Jeremy Atkinson, you may recognize him from uh, StatCheck playing Botan. Uh, not his best outing going coming in 29th place. Ken Knox coming in 30th place with Death Watch. And this one just blew my mind here at the bottom, of, near bottom of the list. 39th place, uh, TJ Lanigan with Death Guard went 0-3. And then he dropped. Very surprised by that. Uh, the monolith does have deep strike still. Excellent. Yes. So the obviously this was very much a shooting kind of area, and from yeah, so TJ ran into Derek with his Chaos Space Marines, 
who I think just outpositioned him and took advantage of the two Forge Fiends and stuff like that. Because I know Death Guard tend to have a very small footprint, at least in theory. And then round two, he got paired into Orcs, who three trucks, some Gretchen, some Mega Knobs, more Knobs. Yeah, that's a very fast list. A lot of bikers, some Squig Hog Boys, and a lot of trucks. And then literally bring your favorite character and use it to hit people. Because there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight characters. Sounds like a Sean Naden list. Yep. And most of them are war bosses. <laughs> and then against Tyler Lark, he got paired into the Iron Storm Spearhead Marines. So yeah, it very much looks like TJ ran into... We're just going to outrange you because you walk really slow. Right. Interesting. Okay. But with that, those are all of the events that we found over the weekend that we were gone. And we, I would like to personally apologize for not having an episode last week because I was the only one who could feasibly make it. And then I, then I took a nap. <laughs> No need to apologize. Yeah, sometimes life gets in the way, and uh, do I oh, yeah, We weren't able to record last week, but uh, we are back, and this week lots to cover, which we covered quite a bit. I think the last thing we still need to cover is um, yeah predictions for LVO. We've been remarkably accurate year after year. Uh, this year is going to be a little harder to figure out because I'm just looking at the ITC top ten. Uh, first place Manny Chima, second place Tassim Fushan, third place Josh Roberts. All three down attending. Uh, LVO. Yep. So number four would be Ben Jurek. Number five, TJ Lanigan, who we just talked about, had a little bit of a rough outing there. Um, and then eighth place, Brad Chester. All of those, they are attending. So do we see one of them taking over, or is this anyone's field this year? I would honestly say that it is it is anyone's field as long as if you're Brad Chester, Lanigan, or Ben that you perform exceptionally well and you get perfect scores for most if not all of your games. Yeah, it's so hard with this format because that's one of the things I've been hearing why some of the top players aren't coming is the this is a topic that Ray and I talked about five years ago. Is that maybe you know the idea of seeding the tournament ahead of time because you may be a top player, you might be a scrub, you might be a mid-table player. You still have to play six games just before we get to the first cut, and a lot can happen. A lot of randomness can happen before you get to that point. And player skill usually wins out, but there every now and then you get some wacky matchups or some unfortunate pairings like we did i remember one year was jeff robinson and andrew ganyo in round one you just look at that and you go yeah that that you got to get through a lot of chaff if to get to the games that really matter if you're considering winning this tournament 
some of these, as I said, somebody could easily rise to the top of all this, or at least sneak their way into the round of 16. By the way, no shadow round this year. They have a legitimate round of 16 this year. Be curious to see how it all shakes out this year. Oh, I didn't know they had cut the shadow round. Yeah, they got enough players, they said, this year, so they're not going to bother with the shadow round. It's just going to be a straight cut for the top 16. Oh, cool. Well, I know I'm going to try my donors to just win three games. I think it's an appropriate goal. I think it'd do better than that, but I think that's an appropriate goal. I'm just keeping myself realistic. Yep. I'll be rooting for you from home. Because while I got the weekend off, I could not go up there. I mean, if we all went there, then the event would just be too awesome because we're all there. <laughs> yeah, good point. We would all lose, then we would all go have drinks. And then we would come back the next day and go, well, that was fun. I'd say it is one of my favorite parts of LVO is the... <laughs> The amount of food I ingest in that weekend. Oh my god, there's some good good eatings there. Especially if you know which buffets to go to. That's the weird thing. We haven't been able to find a decent buffet. So we just kind of found our favorite restaurants and kind of go from there. So. Yeah, honestly, most of the buffets closed down with the pandemic. There's a couple open up there still. But a fair amount of them got replaced with uh, fast food places. Yeah. But even some like Neen, like some you know big name chefs, they'll have like their main steakhouse or big restaurant, but then they'll have like a smaller, um, I won't call it fast food, but it was like casual dining, and you're yes. like, ooh, let me try that, and it turns out to be pretty tasty. So we found some of our favorite spots, so it's been pretty cool. Yeah, I'm, I am personally very excited to try and make it farther like into the to try and get that fourth game but realistically I'm out of practice with my knights I'm not going to be practicing that much (laughs) (laughs) apparently Siri decided to have a word with me there you go it's ready to practice against you man our favorite army is Necrons. Are you sure it's not Adeptus Mechanicus? I was going to say, that's our second army. The uh, the appliance with the primary admic is the toaster. Nice. <laughs> but uh, honestly, I think with the way things are going to perform... It is going to very much be anyone else's game of, hey, show up, don't mess up, you'll be fine. Yeah, a lot of it's a simple execution, but it's um, sometimes it's just I, I, it's you don't know it till you play it, and we we're kind of bashing it a little bit, but the idea, the the strain that is physically and mental to play nine games of high-level 40K in those in that environment. It's a big task. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, six can be hard. Throw on three more, and oof. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where I would look back on the last, you know, it's amazing. I think I'm like 0-4 on 
my third and sixth game at LBL. You know, what a surprise. You know, fatigue mm-hmm. being an issue. Yeah. That's when I realized, yeah, no, I play custodes to not hurt my back. I also play knights to not hurt my back. <laughs> yeah. I play knights so I don't have to worry about the clock. <laughs> That's not true. My shooting face takes forever. I didn't say that's why you play knights. I said that's why I don't play knights. I said that's why I play knights. <laughs> ah, I need sleep. <laughs> Can't even bring out my point without using the wrong words. <laughs> I mean, needless to say, LVO is still going to be a bunch of fun. And... I will hopefully come back with fun souvenirs because I have no idea what's going to be in the swag bag this year. I just forget about that. The swag bags are usually pretty cool. Yeah, last time it was a kill team box. Probably not going to be this year. What should be FLG's own game? Oh, thanks. <laughs> If it was that, that's like, okay, I'll read it. Okay, I'll give it a try. try. And if for some reason I get to walk away with an epic box, Mm. oh man. (laughs) I don't know how I'm going to feel about that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm still on the... keep waiting for it. It's like, I love the game, but I'm like, I need something more than just Marines and Solar Auxiliary. So, I don't know. I keep my fingers... Quite frankly, though, if there's any game system that needs an epic glow-up, it's Star Wars Legion. That would just be so awesome. (laughs) All those little Imperial Walkers and stuff like that. That would be so much fun. (laughs) Yeah, that would be pretty freaking cool. I will say, I've seen those... uh... Legion's Imperial Ops models up close. They're surprisingly well detailed for how small they are. I, I'm with you. And I remember they said, well, they made them a little bigger than the original Epic. So I was like, oh, okay. And I, so I was expecting them to be pretty good size. They're still tiny. They're, they're... <laughs> I was shocked that they're still as small as they are. And the infantry are single uh, pieces, which surprised me a lot, too. So say, yeah. yeah, look at the Space Marine. It's one piece. You snip it off and glue it right to the base. But, Eric, I know you're sick and tired of hearing about the old world. Yes. Yes, I am. Those dice, though. They are super pretty. I haven't seen them yet. Were they in the preview? Yeah. The generic ones are this, like, really pretty sapphire blue. The Bretonian ones are silver. The Kemri ones are, like, sand-colored. Mm. I may pick up a box of the Adeptus Mechani- uh, Titanicus um, dice. Because it has yes. the old Order dice that I still use from Epic, and I've been using those for, like, reminding me of, like, oh, this unit advanced, this unit requires a battle shock test this one's doing a, an action that sort of thing but i only have five of those i had six i don't lost one through attrition 
So this might be a great way to pick up some more dice like that. Yeah, I'm I'm very happy that I found my traders set. Because yeah, they are really pretty and I would really hope that they stay that way. Mm. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. I I got to say the last uh couple dice sets I've seen look really cool in a picture of the preview, but when I actually see them, I'm disappointed. The Necrons, which looked like a really cool like bronze, ended up being a weird brown. <laughs> the Space Marines was just just metallic blue and a little bit of silver. I mean, I am a dice goblin. I will take dice where I can find them. I will say the, la the last set of GW dice I thought looked really cool were the Knights. Both the uh, Chaos and the Imperials, I thought they looked really neat. They're just too expensive. Hmm. It's $2 per die. And? At the end of the day, I'd wait until I can find it for cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But anyway, I think that's basically all we have to ramble about tonight, I think. That's enough for tonight. We'll be back next week. I'll have a whole roundup of all things LVO. So as well as um, you know, look to our Facebook page and Instagram for uh, updates on the preview of the reveal this coming Thursday. So in the meantime, my name's Eric. I'm Robert. And exit tangent left. Thank you for listening to the Exterminatus Podcast. You guys have a good night. Hey listeners, this is Raymond with the Extreme Honest Podcast here to talk to you about KR cases. If you're like me and you're constantly looking for that better way to store your armies, then look no further than KR cases. That's right, this is the foam company known for their soft blue foam in the cardboard cases. They're a great way to mix and match whenever you're heading out for that next tournament. Just swap out those boxes and no need to worry about switching the foam in and out. They're sturdy. The boxes help protect your models. And if you when you order, they come fast, the order is right, and for a better price than the other guy. So go to krcases.com and when you place your order, be sure to mention the Exterminatus podcast. Is your beer keg boring? Does it not have enough tentacles coming out of it? Does it not taste as funny as you remember because you didn't put a tear in it? Well, the wonderful makers of the Necro Nom 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 to replace your average pizza decided to come out with a, another book of the Lovecraft Cock. So they're from RedDukeGames.com and it will guide you through 78 different kinds of cocktails to summon a demon, summon a space bug. Who knows? Either way, it's going to be a very, very wonderful time, and we would highly recommend that you try to not ingest too many while at the gaming table, because we don't know exactly what's going to happen when you roll Perils of the Warp, or you roll a natural one on your persuasion check if you decide to play in So, if you're looking for fanciful drinks, go ahead and grab the Lovecraft Cocktails by the Mad Men at RedDukeGames.com, the makers of the Necro Nom Nom are you a gamer that has more bare plastic than you have time to paint? Do paintbrushes spontaneously combust when you hold them? 
If either of these is true, contact White Crow Studios and get your models painted by a college-trained professional painter. You can contact Bo at whitecrow.commissions at gmail.com and view his previously painted models at White Crow Studios on Facebook. <laughs>